Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. There's something about this time of year where it tends to make people nostalgic. We like to look back. It can make us either long for a time in the past, things maybe simpler, or maybe we're just looking for something that we consider to be home, something that feels familiar and a nice fit. And I wonder what your memories are of Christmases gone by. You know, I remember the, the, the great lengths that my mum and dad would go to to make sure that my sister and I had the, 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 the best, most magical Christmas that we could possibly ever have. There was one time that my dad had set up a, a massive train set for me. I was probably about six years old. And... It was all I ever wanted. As soon as I saw this train set, it was all I ever wanted. And I woke up on Christmas morning, and Santa had left a, a, a little book about these, these train sets, but no train set was there. And I thought, well, this is a really nice book, but it's a bit unfair that Santa hasn't brought me my train set. I preferred that. And my dad said, maybe you should go through and get yourself a drink of water, you know, calm yourself down. And I went through to the kitchen, and this train set had been set up on the dining table. It was massive, and it was awesome. But I remember these things, and as I say, I was probably only maybe six years old. But mom and dad would go to great lengths to make sure that my sister and I had what we would consider to be a magical Christmas. But I remember the the frenzy of like torn paper and the thank yous that were shouted across the living room to one another as we opened up our presents. I remember all the, the wonderful get-togethers that we would have as family, you know, both the immediate and our extended family as we would share uh, the meal together on Christmas Day. We just enjoyed spending time together. You know, growing up in a, a small village, uh, Pathhead, a few miles outside of Dalkeith in Midlothian, a village that, that isn't ruined by uh, light pollution that we get the closer we get to a city. And, you know, I would spend ages just looking up into the sky on a clear night and the stars were just magical. I just had a sense of wonder about it. You know, everything was a mystery and every Christmas seemed to be just as magical as the next. It seemed like a once-in-a-lifetime thing as a child. You know, the presents and Santa Claus and a baby in a manger, the lights on the tree, the, the wonderful stars, everything seemed to have this kind of sense of mystery to it. And it still does for me to this very day. I love this time of year. And this is my favorite service of the entire year. I love the watch night service. But I do wonder, you know, what does it all mean? 
In our Bible passage that I read this evening was, it says that Mary remembered all these things and she thought deeply about them. You know, Mary wondered, and amongst all of the things that were going on, she stops. She thinks deeply about these things. She looked at the angels, the shepherds, the, the baby. Uh, everything was probably a mystery to her. What is going on? This young girl who has traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem and wondering what is going on. What did it mean that her, her child was, was of God? What does it mean that, that he had come to, to save the world? That he was the savior? You know, did she know how it was going to end? Did she know that it would end with, with her looking up at her son on a cross? You know, as I look at the nativity sets, you know, that are in shops and outside so many churches and in people's homes, and, a, and I wonder, you know, why Bethlehem? You know, why a, a poor carpenter and his wife? You know, why a, a cold, cold cave in and amongst uh, all of the animals? You know, I had the opportunity to travel to the, the Holy Land a few years ago now as part of my, my training. And right in the, the place where Jesus was born, right to the places where he grew up, and right to the places where he ministered. You know, the church of the nativity in Bethlehem uh, sits on top of what is believed to be the exact spot that Jesus was born in. And when you go into the church, you make your way through a, a very small doorway. Um, it's only like 37 inches tall, so you have to duck to get under it, even me. Even I had to duck to get under it. But you have to bend over quite a bit to get in. And when you are inside, you go down uh, these stairs into an underground hallway. And it's this darkened cave and etched into the rock is a star, marking the spot where they believe Jesus was born. Now, I'm not sure if that's the exact spot that Jesus was born in. But we do know that he was born somewhere in that area. And what I do know is that thousands upon thousands of people have traveled to that spot to do exactly as the shepherds did, which was to kneel down and worship God at that spot. Magical. Has a sense of wonder to it. But I wonder why there and why then. <laughs> you know, I wonder why in the most unlikeliest of places at the most unlikeliest of times to such unlikely people that God's Son would come into our world and hope would be born. But if there's anything that I've learned in my life, it is that hope can very much come in at the most unlikeliest of times and to the most unlikely of people. Just when we least expect it, we can see glimmers of hope shine in our world as we see God moving through people in our lives. You know, I recently read of a, a minister who was doing some volunteer work at a homeless shelter, and he'd taken some of the young people from his church along um, to get alongside these men that were staying in the shelter. And some of the men um, chatted away, and they were, they were fine. 
Um, they spoke about what had brought them to this point in their life and why they had found themselves in the situation they were in. Some had been dealt a, an incredibly bad hand in life, just unlucky in life. Others were lamenting the decisions that they had made um, and were quite open about the decisions that they had made that had drawn them to that place in life and they found themselves in that situation. But there was one man with whom the minister was really struggling to get a conversation with. He just couldn't seem to spark up the conversation at all. The man was answering with yes, no answers, one word answers to questions. It was clear that the man was very angry with what had happened to him in the situation that he found himself in. The minister tried to get him to, to talk and to open up and had you know, asked him about his feelings, his, his hopes, his goals in life. And the man just rolled his eyes every time the minister asked him questions, especially about hope and goals. He simply replied to him, not this time with a one-word answer, but said, there is no hope. No matter how hard the minister tried, he just could not get this man to speak. There was no connection made. And when he realized that he wasn't getting anywhere with this man, he decided that it was probably time to go. And he'd spent half an hour trying to spark up this conversation. He recognized that it was probably time to gather the young people and it was time to leave. And as they stood outside the lift, waiting to take them down to the, the lobby to, to get them out of the building, the minister felt a tap on his shoulder. And as he turned around, you can imagine his surprise that it was the man that he'd been struggling to speak to for the last half an hour. And then the homeless man said to him, I forgot to tell you something before you left. A little startled, the minister wondered what was coming his way. I think he was expecting a volley of abuse. But the man said to him, four words that would remain with that minister for the rest of his ministry. And the four words were, you are the hope. You are the hope. Through the, the pain eyes that had probably been seen far too many tears over the years. This man had seen hope in the man who had been speaking to him. Maybe just a small piece, but he'd seen it in the minister. Because the homeless man had seen Jesus in the life of that minister. He'd been able to glimpse just a, a little bit of hope in his world. Hope came alive in the most unlikely of places to the most unlikely of people. He'd seen it through the love and compassion of that minister. And on this night, we remember that God made hope come alive in the most unlikely of places. In a manger, among the animals, in a land where fear and oppression reigned, it ruled over people's hearts instead of love and peace. Hope came alive for the whole of humankind. 
for Mary, for the shepherds who were on the hill minding their own business before God broke in. It was this earth-changing, life-changing, hopeful, meaningful encounter with God, with genuine good news. I want to leave you with something to think about over the coming days. You are the hope, is what the homeless man said to the minister. And I wonder what it would look like if we were to reveal that hope to the world. That if we looked upon the the Christmas lights, the, the time with family, the stars in the sky, the beautifully decorated trees, and thought not only of, of memories past, but what could potentially be. You know, what would be if there was more hope in our world? You know, will we allow the love of Jesus to break down our barriers, to warm up our hearts, that we might extend that hope and love out into our world? When we say Christ the Savior is born, you know, we sing about it, we read the story, we've gathered at the manger, and I wonder, what will it mean for our lives? You know, the power of the the Christmas story and its message of hope have been shown throughout history. And I was so moved a few years ago. I say a few years ago, it was even more than a few but there was an advert on TV. It was based on actual events. Over a hundred years ago. And I thought we would watch it together tonight. So we're going to watch a video up on the screen. Even in the, in amongst the, the tragedy and pain of war, Christmas Day held such a power The guns stopped. Humanity was pulled together in an act of love and hope. And I truly believe that it is one of life's greatest tragedies that we seem so easily distracted and so quick to forget. We've been repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again. Tonight, our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine will be worshipping God but they find themselves in and amongst the violence that humankind inflicts upon itself but I do wonder what would our world be like if we were to stop and ponder on Jesus just a little bit longer what would our world be like if his followers rose up, rose up and allowed hope to shine out into our world. I wonder. <laughs>